God rested not because he needed to but because he saw that it was worth doing. God then instituted both work and rest for man. Rest honors God. It is an act of faith. Discover these truths and more in this insightful message. All right. Why don't we stand up to our feet and make our declaration this morning before we get into God's word and just spend some time together in God's word. So if you have your Bible, please hold it high up in the air. Say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing. To many people, I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. I heard a preacher say one time, One of the most spiritual things you could ever do is sleep. About two months ago in the month uh, month of June, in the middle of June, there was the um, Congress of World Evangelization that was held here in Bangalore, the Lausanne Congress of World Evangelization. And uh, this was initiated by Dr. Billy Graham many, many years ago, and they've been meeting this. The Lausanne Congress has been meeting in different parts of the world. Uh, world Christian leaders from various parts of the world congregate, spend many days just discussing on how to evangelize the world and so on. And this year's um, gathering was held here in our city in Bangalore. Dr. Gordon Priest, who is from Australia, and uh, he was heading up the Lausanne Marketplace Ministry. And so I don't know how he heard about us, but he... Prior to coming here, he sent an email saying, I'm coming to Bangalore. This and this is happening. We want to interview you. Uh, can you come? Just give us one hour. So I said, sure enough, we'll do that. Uh, so we went, I went there. They were meeting at the Taj. And so I went there at the appointed time. And here was Dr. Priest. And there was um, Tim Louie, who was, was part of a ministry in the marketplace, uh, Christians from Singapore. There was Bishop Claude from the U.S. and a couple of other people just sitting there. And so for one hour, they were asking questions just about my journey in ministry and the business and how all this works together and so on and so forth. It was a great time. Just condensing 30 years of journey into an hour's interview. Uh, It was nice. And then after that, we went, got some coffee and biscuits. We sat together. Some more people joined us. And uh, we're just talking, just chatting. And about the marketplace and what was happening and... uh, at that time, Bishop Claude just began, he paused, and he started saying something that really got my attention. Here's what he said. He said, just as we have a theology for work and for the marketplace, we also need a theology for rest. As, all right, never thought of that, you know. Uh, so I began to pay attention to what he's about to say and what he's 
you know, the direction of the conversation. Because most of us, and me included, always think about work, getting things done, God bless my work. Uh, we're all marketplace focused, activity driven, and all of that. And here, this bishop is saying, we need a theology of rest. And then he began to talk about, you know, God created everything, he rested and so on. And so that got my attention. And then I said, okay, the fact is in all my life, I've never preached a sermon on a theology of rest. So I went back to the Bible, said, what does the Bible say about rest? What is this? What has God said about rest? What, is, what does rest have to do in our lives and so on? And, and so this morning's sermon is entitled, A Theology of, but don't sleep during the sermon. <laughs> you can sleep after the sermon, right? So I just want to share that with us. What the Word of God says about rest, and perhaps for many of us, we need to develop a biblical perspective of rest, me included. The Bible begins like this in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 31, and then cutting on into chapter 2, it says, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So... Genesis 2 verse 2 says, God rested. God rested. He chilled out a bit. I mean, not, you know, it's just our language here. God rested. God did not rest because he needed to. So now his energy expended in creating this universe. And so he was kind of recharging his batteries or something like that. He rested, and this was what Bishop Claude mentioned and just stuck with me. He said, God rested because he saw it was worth doing so. And he mentioned this, which again really stuck with me. He said, just as we find worth, our worth in the work we do, we also define our worth in the rest we give ourselves. Amen? See, many of us are so driven with work and we want to find our worth in the work we do. You know, make more money, go up higher the ladder, uh, achieve greater things, and we think that's our worth. But in God's perspective, and from what we're learning about God Himself, your worth is not only defined by your work, but your worth, how valuable you think of yourself, is defined by the rest you give yourself. Amen. So maybe for some of us to increase our self-worth, take a break. Just give yourself some rest. Tell yourself you're worth the rest that you're giving yourself. Amen. And all of you are pointing your finger at me and saying, Pastor, preach that to yourself. <laughs> I am preaching it to myself too. All right. So our worth is not only 
in our work, but it's also defined in our rest. Rest establishes self-worth. Let's say it together. Rest establishes self-worth. Maybe some of us just need to rest and let ourselves know that we are worth it. We are human beings and it's good just to be. Sometimes we just want to do and do and make ourselves like machines, human doings. But God created us just to be and enjoy just being. As opposed to finding our worth only through work. Now, the second important thing we notice there is that God sanctified that day of rest. So when he rests to the seventh day, he set that apart. He said, like, this is a good thing. Let's keep the seventh day a day of rest. And so what we see as we progress in the word of God is that when God begins to establish his relationship with Israel, I mean, I'll jump over to the book of Exodus and I'm, I'm just picking out one passage. There are many passages on this. Exodus, the 20th chapter, we'll read verses 8 through 11. In the Ten Commandments that he gives to his people. Now imagine, God is saying, I'm going to give you the ten most important things that I'm, going to, I'm looking out for. These are the ten most important things I want you to follow. And in those ten, one of them is, you need to rest. Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11, he, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So your day of rest is also a holy day. In what sense? Let's read on. Six days you will labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant, nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So he's saying, look, God himself did this. He rested on the seventh day and he actually hallowed that day. He sanctified it. He wants to keep that day aside, keep it holy. So you work six days, you rest on the seventh day, and that day is a day that is holy unto the Lord. So two things. It's a rest day. It's a Sabbath day. The word Sabbath simply means to cease from work. So it's a day when you cease from work. But it's also a day that is holy unto the Lord. Meaning it's a day when you are putting your attention, your focus on the Lord. So the same God who instituted work also instituted rest. Amen? You know, I... I, I did rest, but it was more, okay, I'm tired, I rest. We planned our, we always plan our an, annual vacations, two vacations a year, one in the summer, one later on, usually in October, and of course the last week of December is quiet. So that's all there in our, it's been there for many years. And, uh, but I never began, never looked at rest from the perspective of, it's something I do to honor God. Because it is something God put in place for me, for you, for us. I did it more out of, okay, I need to rest. I know that. I need to refresh. Or maybe I'm 
I'm really tired. But to do it from the perspective of, you know what? When I'm resting, I am doing something God instituted for me. God put this in place for me. I'm actually honoring God. So let's say this together. Rest honors God. Think of that. You're actually worshiping God when you rest. Why? You're honoring God. You're doing something He commanded. And that's worship. Worship is our reverence to God. So when you are setting this day aside to cease from all work and to put your focus on the Lord, you are worshiping God. You're honoring Him. It's a holy thing. Amen? He instituted it for you and me. And we worship God when we give ourselves a break and rest. Now, unfortunately, the Jewish tradition, as you know it, they become so, they become so focused on rest, they, they forgot the actual meaning of it. And it became so legalistic that even if you, you know, move your bed from one place to another, they'd come after you and do all that. Uh, and, and Paul, in the writings, in the epistles, explains to us, when you come into the New Testament, and I'm just looking at Romans, the 14th chapter, verses 4 to 5, and Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, Paul explains to us that we are no longer bound by the Sabbath, per se, or by the observance of a particular day, or feasts, because we are free from the law, but keep in mind that the Sabbath was given or, or this rest today was instituted by God before the law. Amen? So while you and I are absolved from keeping the law per se, rest was instituted by God for man before the law. He put it there before the law. God rested. He set the example. So, the point you and I must take home with us is it's not about the day. Now we can argue, oh, seventh day means Saturday. Why are you resting on Sunday? All that. Now, let's not get hard and fast about that. The point is that you and I need a day in every seven days where we pause and say, one, I'm ceasing from all work. And number two, my attention is on the Lord. And that's my act of worship. That's my way of honoring God. Amen? If that day is Saturday, fine. If that day is Sunday, it's fine. Sunday is my most busiest day. It starts at 7 in the morning, ends at 10.30 at night. So it definitely can't be my rest day. So I'll rest some, some other day, maybe Monday or maybe Friday. But you pick your day. Where you cease from work. And you say, my focus is on the Lord. That's my act of worship. I honor God when I do that. Amen? It's interesting as you move along in the Old Testament, as God is dealing with His people on this issue of rest, we see one more thing. We, and, I, and I'm just going to read here from, uh, I'll just reference here, Exodus the 23rd chapter, verses 10 to 12. Also Leviticus 25, verses 1 uh, to 7. Leviticus 25, 1 to 7, and Exodus 23, 10 to 12. And here's what God institutes. He says, you know, not only do you need to rest every seven days, but 
every seventh year, and you find this in both these places that I just mentioned, every seventh year, the entire year is going to be a year of rest. And this is to, for you to give the land a break. So everybody say, give the land a break. So basically God's saying, hey guys, every seventh year you're going to give the land a break. Don't plow the land, don't till the land, don't do anything, just chill. I like to sign up for that, you know. Just chill the whole year. Don't make your servants work, nobody's to work. And if you do this, God will bless the land. The land will produce by itself. And you don't even harvest that. You're not going to take that for sale. Whatever the land produces, you leave it so that whoever wants to come can come in and take it. The poor can come. Your servants can come. They can just take and enjoy the produce of the land. You don't, you're not going to harvest that for business. Serious. It's in the Bible. God put that in for his people in the Old Testament. Seventh year. The entire year you rest. Give the land a break. The land will produce by itself. And people just enjoy what's on, what comes out of it. I, I think the key there is that God is saying, look, there are two things. One, it's going to have a little bit of faith for you and me to do something like that. Because you're going to believe God that in six years he's going to give you enough. So that on the seventh year, you can actually chill. Right? It's going to take a little faith to depend on God. Saying, God, in six years, you're going to give me enough so that on the seventh year, I can actually relax. Secondly, it creates in the hearts of people a sense of generosity. God, you've blessed me so much in six years. Seventh year, I just want everybody else to be blessed. Now, it takes a lot of dependence on God to be able to be part of such a program. So this whole idea of rest then brings to us the understanding that rest is a place where I now put full dependence on the Lord. It takes faith to rest. So we see rest defines or describes your self-worth. Rest honors God. Rest is an act of worship unto God. Rest also brings me to a place of faith and dependence on God. All of this is a biblical perspective of rest. Now in the Bible, we find God speaking to us about spiritual, emotional, and physical rest. And all of this is important. Because in case you're emotionally tired, even if you've been, even if you're sharp in the spirit, because you're emotionally tired, it can hinder or limit to some extent, your spiritual capabilities and even your physical capabilities. Or if you're physically tired, it can hinder your total performance and how you serve and how you do. So it's important that we rest spiritually, emotionally, physically. When we are tired, we usually end up making wrong decisions, wrong choices. Things we would not normally do when We're sound. We're well rested. When we are tired, we're usually very, very vulnerable. Things that we can say no to, we just fall into. 
It's very important to be rested spiritually, emotionally, physically. Look at some scriptures here. And I'm just going to run through this quickly. Not necessarily have us turn to all of that. On the spiritual side, how do we rest? How has God given us the ability to rest? One, when we come to a place of quietness and confidence. Isaiah 30 and verse 15, God says in returning and rest, you will be saved. And he repeats that, in quietness and confidence, you will be saved. So to return and rest simply means to come to a place of quietness and confidence. So when you're quiet and you're in a place of confidence, that's spiritual rest. Another way to rest spiritually is to wait upon the Lord. You know that family verses of Scripture in Isaiah 40, 28 onwards, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So as you wait on God in prayer, in worship, in meditation, what are you doing? You're renewing your spiritual strength. You're resting spiritually. Another way to rest is by praying in tongues. Now, Isaiah 28 verses 11 and 12, which Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians 14, 21, where in the Old Testament, God says, and he's speaking prophetically about speaking in tongues. He says, with stammering lips and another tongue, I will speak to these people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you'll cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. So speaking in tongues is another God-given way to rest and refresh our spirits. That's why if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, stay back after service. Pastor Steve and others will be here to pray with you. For you to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues. Because this is a God-given way to rest and refresh ourselves spiritually. Another fourth way to rest spiritually is to be in a place of faith. Faith works, but faith also rests. James chapter 2, James brings out the fact that faith works. He says, Show me your faith by your works. Or James 2.26, faith without works is dead. So faith works. You do stuff out of faith. But faith also rests. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. The writer of Hebrews brings that out. He said, you know, there remains a rest for us as God's people. And we who believe must enter into this rest. And he who rests has ceased from his own works. So faith brings us to a place where we rest and cease from our own works. And we say, okay, God, you've done it. I'm resting in you. So faith works, but faith also rests. So how do we rest spiritually? We rest spiritually by being in a place of quietness and confidence. We rest spiritually by waiting on the Lord. You pause and you just worship. You just focus on Him. You pray as you wait on Him. You worship Him. We rest spiritually as we pray in tongues. We rest spiritually as we just stand in a place of faith. And we cease from our own works. That's spiritual rest. God has promised us emotional rest. That means renewing us emotionally. Our mind, our will, our emotions, our feelings. He's promised spiritual rest. Psalm 23 is a great psalm that you and I are familiar with. And it talks about the Lord being our shepherd. And he says, he leads me beside still. There's stillness. He brings me there. He restores my, he restores my soul. He renews me emotionally. 
in this green pastures and leads, leading me beside still waters. Psalm 37 and verse 7. The psalmist says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret yourself because of Him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently. Don't fret yourself. Meaning, don't get worked up. Don't get all agitated. Don't get all messed up about those who are seemingly going ahead of you who are achieving their own goals, maybe even achieving wicked things. Just rest in the Lord. Wait patiently. Rest in Him. A place of, of, of resting, calmness, emotionally, and not letting what other people do cause you to get agitated. God gives us emotional rest. And you know what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to, 28 to 30? Come unto me, all you call center laborers. And you IT professionals, I will give you rest. Leave your keyboards and your mouses. <laughs> and take my yoke upon you. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your I think this is so appropriate for many of us in today's corporate world where we are so driven that we learn to take a break. Honor God. Give yourself a rest. Physical rest. God's promises for us there. And you're familiar with many of these verses. Psalm 4 and verse 8. The psalmist says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, you make me dwell in safety. Meaning, God, I'm going to Sleep nicely because you're taking care of everything. Psalm 127 verse 2. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late. To eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved. God gives his beloved. So take that promise. And God, I really want this. I want some sleep. He gives his beloved one of the most spiritual things you and I could do is, tell a neighbor. One of the most spiritual things you can do is, but don't sleep in church, please. It's like, what did you do in church? Man, I did the most spiritual thing. What is that? Sleep. So God gives his beloved sleep. It's there for you and me. Just to wrap this up here, you know, what are some rest stealers? What are things that steal our rest? Why is it that even though we understand many of these things, probably you've heard some of these things before, why is it that we drive ourselves beyond these things and we kind of test the limits of, of how far we can push ourselves physically or emotionally? Why is it? And here's some things that I just put down. You'll have others. The pressure to perform. For those of us who work, you know, we, we are pressured to perform. Whether it's your boss, your manager, your team leader, or your customer. They drive you. And that's their job. They need to get as much as they can out of you and me. And so they drive us. It's very rare that you find a boss who says, man, you work so hard, go home, you know. As that's the exception. You hardly find somebody who says that. Or a customer says, man, you guys are working so hard. I'll just take a month off, you know. 
So there is this great pressure to perform. If you're a student, there is this drive. You've got to get those marks because, you know, you've got to get past that CET and get a seat somewhere. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be off in Timbuktu. And you don't want that to happen. So there's a pressure to perform and drive. And that's true. We all face it at all levels, all of stages in our, in our life. The drive for success. We want to succeed. We want to accomplish. When you come in as an entry, per, entry level, you say, I want to be a team lead. The moment you become a team lead, you don't stop. No one stops. I want to be a project manager. The moment you become a project manager, no, no, I want to become a regional manager. You don't stop. It's just a drive to succeed. Or you get a salary raise and you're waiting for next year because the next day you've forgotten that you actually got a raise last yesterday. You're not looking for the next race. There is that drive for success. And, and it's good, but not at the expense of dishonoring God. Or the God of mammon, the desire to make more and more money. Sometimes for us, work becomes an escape route. I don't want to deal with all the other issues of life, so let me just work. And work and work. It actually becomes a way of escape. For some of us. Or some of us who are in ministry, we get so busy in ministry. So I'm doing something for God. So I'm working all the time, doing something for God. But that's work. Now, I'm not advocating laziness. I'm not saying, see, God did say work six days. right? We're only talking about the seventh day. right? <laughs> so you do work six days, but so I'm not advocating laziness and, you know, proclaiming a seven-day Sabbath or something. But what I'm saying is that one day that God told us to rest, there is a reason. And we must get a biblical, scriptural perspective on it. You look at Jesus, even he rested. And I just want to bring up two examples in his earthly life. In Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 32, the Bible says that Mark 6, 30 to 32, his, his apostles gathered together and they came back and they said, you know, Lord, uh, today, I, I, I conducted three life groups. Uh, another one said, Lord, I did two campus elevates. And uh, another one came and said, Lord, I did God TV recording full day, 12, 10 programs. Another came and said, Lord, I printed 32 publications today. And, 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 you know, they came back with a report of all they'd done. And Jesus' response to them is this. In Mark 6, in verse 31, these, these are the words of Jesus. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. These are the words of Jesus. Guys, you're working so hard and the line continues. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. And he says, take a break. It's okay. All those people have lined up. It's true. They're all standing there. They're coming and going. They're waiting there. It's true. They're all there. The needs are there. The people are there. The sick are there. It's true. But you need to get away. Get into the boat. Get on a cruise. Chill for some time. He did that. So, but, but master, there's, there are those people with needs over there. You need to rest. He did that. And think about this. You know, Jesus tells us, this is Luke chapter 8. Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to the other side. 
They get into the boat. And what's he doing? He falls asleep. There's a storm. What's Jesus doing? There's a storm. What's Jesus doing? Guys, learn to sleep in the middle of a storm. <laughs> Don't let the storm keep you awake. Sleep. Rest. You can get up tomorrow and fight. But now you need your rest. Sleep. So what are some key takeaways here this morning as we talk about rest? Number one, God instituted rest. Number two, rest honors God. It's an act of worship towards God. Number three, rest establishes self-worth. Because you think, you're telling yourself, I'm worth this. Number four, rest ensures time to refocus. And establish my dependence on the Lord. Say, God, I'm taking rest. You'll take care of everything. Rest ensures refreshing and renewal. Rest is an act of faith. When any part of us is tired and worn out, the other part areas of our life are, are affected in some way. So we must learn to renew ourselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And also, rest ensures longevity. There are many shooting stars. They come and go. But true greatness lies in longevity. The ability to sustain your achievements and keep, and keep them up over time. That's true greatness. But in order to have longevity, we need to get our rest regularly. Be a shining star. So to wrap this up, application, get... Regular times of rest, whether it's daily, daily, weekly, annually. Plan your vacations ahead of time. Beginning of the year. When I'm looking at my 2014 calendar, a lot of that is already scheduled and I'll block out vacation times. It's already there. So everybody says, calls for a meeting, calls for something. Else. That, that week, those two weeks or three weeks, no. Can't do it. It's already blocked out for family vacation. Pace yourself. You know the pace at which you grow. You know what's right for you. Pace yourself. Then you feel you need to slow down, slow down. And finally, saying no to an invitation just because you want to rest is not sin. Rather, it's honoring God. Amen? If somebody calls you for something, please come for a prayer meeting. Say, I don't want to come. Why? I want to sleep. Man, you want to sleep? Yeah. I'm honoring God. You go honor God and pray? I'll honor God and? Amen. <laughs> Pastor, what you're teaching your people? <laughs> you're telling them to miss a prayer meeting and go sleep? Yeah. If you need to rest... You can say no, knowing that you're actually honoring God because God instituted rest. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. 
you can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.